You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about five-year data on a drug called Fostemsevere from the Bright E study. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Thanks for uh, having me here today to talk about this topic. So, John, tell us a little bit about Fostemsevere and this study that was conducted. Yeah, sure, Mariana. So, so the the Bright E study was a study of Fostemsevere that was done in what we term heavily treatment experienced uh, patients um, who have multi-drug resistant HIV infection. And most of these patients, as you can imagine, have very few treatment options left available to them who wind up on, in some of these clinical trials. So many of these patients had significant resistance um, and previous intolerance to a lot of their uh, other antiretrovirals and potentially could have had also safety concerns with other regimens. So, so the Bright E study was, was an international uh, study and it contained uh, two cohorts, the randomized and the non-randomized. I'll focus mostly on the randomized today. And we have reviewed some of this in the past, especially when Fostemsevir was approved a while back. Um, but it's really a first-in-class, what we call an attachment inhibitor. And what was done in this study is that it was used in combination with these optimized background regimens. Uh, and it was done in 371 patients from um, over 100 sites across 22 countries. So again, really, um, really large, uh, large number of patients for that actually had highly treatment experienced uh, uh, in these in these different in these different sites. And how exactly was the study designed? Yeah. So so here so here's basically this the study design. So basically, these were again patients who were highly treatment experienced. Um, they had to be failing their current regimen with a, with a confirmed viral load over 400 copies per mil. And then they were put into one of two cohorts, either um, the randomized cohort, they were put in if they had, um, for those patients, they had one or two ARV classes remaining with at least one approved uh, fully active agent per class. So they had to have some activity with some of their background regimen. Then they had to be un- un- unable to um, construct a viable two or three drug regimen from the remaining approved agents. So again, a lot of patients um, were failing and didn't have a lot of, lot of options. And then they were they were randomized three to one, <clears throat> and then there was a blinding period. But basically, they wound up either on open label fostemsevir, um, six hundred milligrams BID plus an optimized background regimen. So what they did was initially is they followed these people out to forty eight weeks and out to ninety six weeks. But now this data that I'm going to talk about today is now actually actually out to five years, the two hundred forty week data. So that's the most important piece is that they you know they they really had highly treatment experienced patients. You know, not a lot of activity 
with other drugs in their background regimen. And then the non-randomized piece had no ARV classes remaining and no remaining approved fully active drugs based on uh, based on resistance testing. And those people got open label Fustem Severe 600 BID with their optimized background therapy. But mostly what I'm going to focus on today is going to be the randomized cohort. So what made this study so important? Why is this five-year data so significant? Yeah, so I think this is an important piece, but I think I think studies that go out the five years, I think is is really amazing on a lot of levels. I, you know, um, back in the day, some of the older, um, even the old uh, Abbott studies with uh, lopinavir ritonavir, the Abbott 720 was one of the first studies I think that went out to 720. Uh, the, the 720 went out to 240 weeks. Um, I think even some of the uh, some of the studies with the Fabrins TDFFTC uh, went out at least to 144 weeks. It may have actually potentially went out to five, but even even like uh, BFTAF, which is uh, big, big Tegravir plus TAF FTC, has got some five-year data now too. I, I think it requires a significant commitment, not just from the company to provide the resources, right? and the researchers to do all this work, but most importantly, I think it's the patients. It's this patient commitment that they, you know, they to remain in the committed to the study to go out that far. And, and, and so to follow five years, I think is significant. And so, and so what did they find out, out to five years with this? And so remember there's two cohorts. So in the randomized cohort, rates of biologics of response will generally remain consistent over time um, through week 240. There was actually 45% so 120 out of the 272 patients who are receiving severe plus an optimized background regimen in this randomized cohort got uh, were virologically suppressed. Um, and while 45% may not sound great, Mariana, just remember that a lot of the reduced virologic response rates was really calculated according to this FDA snapshot analysis beyond week 92. So it, it kind of um, it kind of if anybody falls out of the study for any other reason beyond that 192 week um, uh, period, you know, they, they're, they're treated as failures. So you could actually get incarcerated or you could leave the study or move out of town and be away from where the study coordinator is or the study set is and, and not actually be in the study anymore, be treated as a failure. So, so I think these results are sometimes partially confounded by some of that missing data. Uh, and also, if you remember during the timing of this, this is actually some of the data actually may have been messed up because of the COVID-19 pandemic as well. So changes in that OBT and others may actually confounded some of the, some of the results. But I think you know even at forty five percent, you know after five years for some of these patients who have really no active agents in their background regimen or one or two active agents in their background regimen, it really is an important important study. But I think what's most important about this study, at least in my mind, is the CD four cell count data. So uh, patients who are on this regimen increased their 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 CD four count from baseline over time and increased by almost 300 cells. It was 296 cells by week 240. So these are people who are starting off with various numbers of cells, but their increase over time was, was almost 300 cells. So you're getting patients out of the, out of the danger zone for, for developing um, an AIDS defining illness uh, when they have, uh, when, when they're for, for people who are, uh, uh, who, who are living with HIV in the, in this study. And then the randomized cohort as well. Um, if you look at the change in CD4 count, 78% of them had a, had a CD4 cell count from less than 200 to over 200 cells. That's important. And then 67% had a change from less than 20 cells to over 200 cells. So there were, there were actually patients who had uh, 33 of them actually had less than 20 cells at baseline. And if you look at the, their results uh, out over 200, 22 or 67% of those patients had CD4 counts over 200 cells by, by the end of this, uh, this five-year period. 
And also the ratio increased steadily from baseline, which reached the mean of 0.6 by week 240. So this T-cell count, I think, really is also very helpful for, for, for patients who, who are in the study and, and who experience this large T-cell response for, um, for, uh, for, for those who are using Fostemsevir in the study. Can you talk a little bit about the results of this study? Yeah, so just to go on a little more, um, the safety profile was consistent with earlier findings across both cohorts. I think no new trends in safety data were identified. You know, in the randomized cohort, uh, 95% of the patients experienced at least one adverse event. The most common drug-related <clears throat> AEs across both groups were nausea and diarrhea, which occurred in 9 and 5%. Uh, and at least one serious adverse event was experienced by 45% in the randomized cohort, and the most common of which were due to infections that were not related to study drug. So in total, 4% of the, of the serious adverse events in the randomized cohort related to study meds, with four participants discontinuing because of AEs between week 96 and 240. So again, when you think about side effects, most of them occur early. Most of the dropouts occur early. You rarely see a significant number of people who fall out of the study after they've been on the drug for a couple of years. And that's the same thing here. So if you look out to 96 weeks and 240 weeks, that's looking out two years out to five years. There's only four additional participants discontinued because of an adverse event. Now, you know, because of the patients and think about how sick they were, right? Highly treatment experienced patients, not a lot of options left. There were actually deaths and there were 35 of them. 12 of them were AIDS related. Um, and then five of those were new since week 96. Um, so seven occurred before week 96, five occurred after. Uh, 12 were, were um, from acute infections, and one of those was new since week 96. Um, six were non-AIDS-related malignancies, and then five were related to other conditions. So overall, if you think of the AIDS-related uh, uh, issues in those patients who, um, who, who developed an AIDS-defining illness, um, 12 of them were age-related with five new ones since, since 1996. But during the study overall, um, uh, they did actually look at COVID-19 as well. Uh, there, uh, 25 of the 371 participants were diagnosed with COVID-19 and COVID-19-related events, <clears throat> but there were no COVID-19-related deaths or reports of, of post-COVID-19 syndromes uh, in, these, in these patients. So that's actually comforting too, to that even in this highly treated experienced patients, it's kind of you know, getting, uh, getting investigational treatments, there were no deaths related to COVID-19 um, in, in this study. As we begin to wrap up, what is the bottom line for healthcare providers when it comes to this five-year Fostemsevere data? Yeah, yeah. So, Mary, I, th I think these are the these are the summary bullet points. Again, I, th I think the fact that it went out five years, I think is really key in this population. But these highly treatment experienced patients had multi-drug resistant virus treated for five years with Fostemsevere-based regimens experiences durable virologic response and also uh, clinically meaningful improvements in their, in their T-cell count and CD4, CD8 ratio. That's really the most important piece. Um, safety and tolerability uh, in these patients remain consistent with previous observations when you go out to the five-year data. And then the rates of biologic suppression were consistent through week 192. And then beyond week 192, they, uh, the results were confounded, again, by some of that missing data related to either inability to attend the study visits because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that whole snapshot idea that we just mentioned a few moments ago. And then in the randomized cohort at 240 weeks, 60% um, of those patients who remained in the study with available uh, efficacy data, the vast majority of those patients, 80, over 80%, had viral loads less than uh, 40 copies per mil. So that's kind of like the as-treated analysis in these patients. So if they stayed in the study and we still had data, 
to available to them, it, over 80% of those patients were, were less than 40 copies. That's really a key piece, I think, of this study as well. And then despite the advanced history or the advanced HIV disease that some of these participants were experiencing, uh, there were no COVID-19 deaths associated with this study. So overall, Mariana, where I think of this drug um, now with Fustemsevir is pairing it with other things like ibilizumab, which is the, the, the CD4 monoclonal antibody. You also have now lenacapavir, which is approved as well, which is also very helpful. And there's some data with Fustemsevir being used with lenacapavir as well in some of the, the Capella study. So trying to look at this drug, combining with other meds for those patients who may not have any other options left in their, in their background uh, regimen because they've had so, had so much resistance. But really a big, a big I think, a nice, important study. Uh, this was actually presented uh, in, in, uh, in the summer of 2022. But I think the five-year data, I think, is really, really important for us to kind of look at today. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us some of the highlights of the five-year Fostemsevere data. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nekaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.